You're listening. No. You're listening to the Buns.com Podcast Network. (laughs) (laughs) Buns, Buns, Buns. I want to give you something real, but I don't know where to start. Darling, let's make a deal. I want to give you my heart. I would trade anything for love. Hey, guys. Welcome to ISO, the Buns Podcast. The interview this week is with Justin Lee, fellow podcaster and creator of the Buns documentary. But before we get to that, how's the week going? Any big trades going on? Yeah, I didn't really get up to very much, but uh, I hope you guys have been trading pretty well. I don't have much to say except that I'm excited that This Week in Buns is back. So, without further ado, here's This Week in Buns. Today we are talking about missing cats, LED face masks, and... Nickelback! But in the best way possible. In the best way anyone could ever talk about Nickelback. (laughs) Anyone could talk about Nickelback. This is ISO, the Buzz Podcast. I am Oren. And I'm Laura. And we are both back. I know. You were longer gone than... Longer gone. You were longer gone than I was. I was. I was only gone for seven weeks. Yeah, but seven weeks is like an eternity. Um, Especially for a weekly podcast. It kind of is an eternity. I know. It's so, so long. I really held down the fort. Um, I appreciate that. Sans Oren. But yeah, I got back too. Yeah, I went on a little vacay. Obviously, we all know you went... Uh, all over freaking Asia. Yeah. Did you meet any really crazy uh, athletes? Uh, yeah. I mean, every major athlete in the Olympics I got to meet and talk to and interview. Oh, every single one. Um, if there are 255 athletes, I probably talked to at least 200 of them. Whoa. Yeah, yeah. I met, I met a shit ton of athletes. How, anybody that curls? Uh, yeah, yeah. I met, I met, our, I met our, uh, our gold medal winning doubles mixed doubles curling champions oh my god my dream come true yeah so it was uh i'm telling you it was uh, the best um korea was amazing went down to malaysia indonesia singapore hong kong oh jeez it was crazy jeez yeah. so many places so many so many spots i only went to sorry i only went to vancouver and then san fran and la to a little west coast tour said some stand-up and stuff super fun and exciting stuff over here but now I'm sick and I'm glad to be home. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad you're back. I'm glad you're back. I think I think we're peaking on the mic a little bit here. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Okay. I got really excited. I, got, I, I know I'm back. I know. <laughs> I, know. I was like, ah, you know what? Let's let's dive right into it because you got a you got a story about a ring that was lost at a at a bar. A bar hop. I now she says last seen at bar hop. Is that a place yes, or is that yes. like something people do? Uh, so it's both. Yeah. It's so, both. so this specifically refers to one of the. Uh, there's like a couple locations. Of a restaurant called Bar Hop. Bar Hop. Some of the best beer in Toronto. Really? Mm-hmm. They are not a sponsor of the show yet. But they better. They better be. Um, so Misha lost uh, her ring at Bar Hop. Super sad. Um, but there's been a string of themes here about losing heirlooms. And this was her grandmother's um, that she left her when she passed away. So she's offering a reward, but she just really wants it back. Yeah, and, and when you would research the story, that was kind of the end of it. Mm-hmm. But then when I found the story, 
it was like just fresh. Someone was like, hey, I work at Bar Hop and we found the ring. No way. The one ring to rule them all. It's going to, it's going to Mount Doom. Yeah. Aya Sauron, she has her ring back. Oh, amazing. Yeah, so she found her ring and I mean, always a good story. But I mean, yeah, sometimes when rings go missing. They never get found. And at the same time, if you see a nice ring on the ground, you're keeping that shit. Yeah, this one's made of amethyst, passed down for generations. Yeah, uh, I mean it's a, it's it's a nice little gift. You do risk uh, by picking up someone's heirloom it being haunted. Of course, course. uh, a spirit attached to said item. Mm. So if you're gonna steal something, really make sure that it's not infested with a spirit. (laughs) That is my advice to you. Um, I know it's my first week back, but we're bringing back our favorite segment, Dad Zone. I'm a dad and I don't need stuff. <laughs> oh, it is it is Dad Zone. Remember, this is the this is the part of the podcast where we talk about the things that um, if you were a dad, things that dads on buns would typically like to have. Yeah, yeah. Um, and this week we have moving boxes. Oh, classic moving boxes. Yeah. I mean, if you live in an apartment downtown Toronto, even a small space, you don't really have places to put the boxes maybe that you moved in with. Yeah. And so uh, you store them at your parents' place if you can. Um, and if you don't have access to a lot of good boxes, maybe the LCBO is run out oh. or local spot where you get boxes isn't, isn't, isn't having them right the now. The local box spot you know is just I mean? really not coming through for That's you. not coming through for you. Um, listen, boxes, if you have to pay for them, are kind of expensive. Oh, really? And it's annoying. And yeah, it's really annoying actually. Boxes are freaking expensive. So... Listen, this is a chance for you to stock up. There are two posts currently online of just somebody with a ton of boxes. Ooh. So if you're moving and you, you need uh, you need some uh, you need some storage uh, equipment <laughs> that's also disposable, recyclable, that's your, that's your place. And that has been your time in the dad zone. I'm, I'm a dad and, and I need stuff. <laughs> um, another really just creepy slash fun uh, post elise is getting rid of an led face masks and this is like a uv color light therapy mask that's supposed to like decrease acne and like increase blood circulation and like promote collagen whatever the hell that means but this mask is freaky. Yeah, we, we have to sort of... It looks like the mask that the Jabberwockies wear. Slash also the V for Vendetta guy, but less colorful. And no no mustache, yeah. No mustache, and it's smiling, okay? It's literally, it literally has a smile. Alex comments, if you're not as happy as a, as a person as this mask, will it still fit me? And I, I wonder, Alex. I really do wonder. But let's describe this mask some more because it is the mask itself. And there's like a little port at the bottom where like a cord is going to a machine mm-hmm. that light then and the entire thing just lights your face up. So imagine like a regular ass Halloween mask. That's just vibrant blue. Yeah. Um, Plus it's smiling. So the the mouth hole is a smile. So you have to smile the entire time you're wearing this thing. This thing it looks creepy as can be. But and <laughs> the eyes are like t- not uh, like normal just circles. It's like cat eyes. eyes. Yeah. <laughs> and that's I think what really does the cake on this one. It's, does the cake? It, it's weird. Yeah, it does. It does the does the cake. On it this does list. do the, the cake, cake on, on that. <laughs> I mean, I want to know if it works or not. So it looks like we'll be getting this trade and then trying it and giving you some results. Giving you the feedback yeah. that you all deserve. <laughs> um, how about a lovely post from uh, from Aletta? Because uh, she's a doula. She says buns with babies 
I'm looking for baby clothing and items that you're willing to spare. Mm-hmm. She primarily works with new immigrant, low-income, at-risk mamas, and they're always in need of many essentials that can help them out. Um, and within minutes, Aletta got some beautiful response from um, Allison, who's like, hey, listen, I work in film. I have a box of newborn diapers, onesies, rash cream from a shoot. You can just have it for free. And I also live right near you. Aww. So... Here's all this. And that was not the only one. There was a ton of people in here who were like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I have a baby. I have a ton of stuff. Because that's the thing with babies. They grow up so fast. Yeah. You're buying clothes all the time. You really don't have use for it. And you're having another baby really soon. And so yeah. have that go to a good home, you know? Literally. Less waste. Give it to someone that needs it. That's kind of like the ethos of buns, right? Literally. Like, yeah. A magic. Magical time. Um, I just think that... Uh, Orin and I had a little bit of a discussion here um, about what really, how fast you can find a lost pet on buns. So an example here is um, about 11 hours ago from when this post was posted, um, Aviva lost her little cat, Alice. And so she posted this literally 11 hours later. She goes, update, he's home. So this, the turnaround of animal finding power that Buns has is literally a day. So if you lo- uh, you lose an animal and you post it on Buns, I literally guarantee that your chances <laughs> go up at least 80% because everybody on here is animal obsessed, animal loving, and they will go to the ends of the earth to find that kitty for you. Uh, I'm, I'm also curious if they just don't post it on Buns, if they're just to wait the 12 hours or to like search for 12 hours, mm-hmm. they would actually find the pet as well. So I feel like Buns helps, but also feel like- Just go look for your yeah, damn self. Yeah. And people in the city are actually like really good at like spotting animals, picking yeah. them up, checking if they're getting, checking if they have been uh, microchipped and everything else, and then bringing them back to their location mm. or to, like going to the Humane Society. They're Torontonians, and everyone outside of this are really good at being like, oh, this pet, I've never seen you before. This is really unusual that you're here. Yeah. Let's see if you have a home. Hello, Mr. Pet that I've never seen before. What you, are you doing here? Well, I'm a new cat in the neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> and don't ask me again, okay? Um, another example of buns, how there's things that are posted that you're like, I didn't know I needed this, but I freaking want it right now in my house. A Tiki Idol smoke machine, okay? So we all know the classic, like, Tiki heads. But this has a freaking fog machine in it. And uh, Vanessa's trading it. She's got a couple a couple things that she wants. You know, some rum or whatever. Bourbon, Amarone, vino. But this is one of those things that... Wait, wait. She wants an Amarone? Yeah, she wants Jeez. Amarone. Yo, she's not... She's not back in men. That's a, that's a. That's I know a, that's like a fifty dollar bottle of wine. That's an expensive bottle of wine. Well, I mean, it's a freaking tiki head that's emitting fog. So I don't know, I don't know if it's Amarone good, but <laughs> <laughs> she's in Trinity Bellwoods. But um, I don't know. This didn't get as much love as I had thought it was going to. My thought is because she was being a bit cocky. She's like best offer gets up. So, <laughs> <laughs> but that's so common based. People put OBO all the time, like like or best offer. Like this, I know, but o- OBO. <laughs> Best offer got it's Oh its, my God. Like, it's its whoever, own line. It's it's it's. I mean, do you wanna? Okay, but Who it's, it's, it's the best offer ever. That's that you can say that in the, you can say you can say anything in that voice, <laughs> and it's gonna sound you're gonna sound like a terrible human. 
Oh my god, I love you. I will always love you. Um forever and ever. Yeah. Not buying it. <laughs> so that's what I'm saying. I just get a vibe about this one that it could have blown up, but she was too cocky. Tiki mask could have blown up. Uh, <laughs> um all right, Megan Duffy. She uh, she's a post that says, Hey, have you been aching to try the famous Halo Top ice cream, but can't find them at your local store. Love the other flavors, but these just two aren't for me. So she picked up two flavors. One was oatmeal cookie flavor, and then uh, cookies and cream. Mm. And then I got to thinking, like, oatmeal cookie, that sounds like a disgusting flavor. What? Oatmeal co- what do you mean, what? No, no, Oatmeal no. cookies? Oh, uh... Oatmeal, oatmeal <laughs> cookies don't even hit the top five oh, no. of I, cookies. Am I exposing myself? You are exposing oatmeal. yourself. Are we going to bring dads into this conversation? No. Those, those frisbee discs that people pretend to like? Okay, those Listen. are nice for dipping into coffee Jeez, and yo. teas. Yes, it... You, a cookie should be able to stand on its own. It shouldn't be needed in conjunction with another with beverage, another liquid. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Listen, that's cookies could even cop like couldn't crack the top 10 if it had chocolate chips in it all right Ooh, dad's cookies that's are, a statement but let's think about this for a second if there was a hierarchy of cookies yes we know it's on top right chocolate the chocolate chip, chip and and oreos are on top oreos yes. i mean i love oreos they're vegan did you know yeah i actually i didn't know that i did not know that <laughs> yeah i mean they don't look at the vegan because they're like you know junk food yeah <laughs> but i mean all the I, fat vegans yeah, are eating ta- Oreos. That's all they're doing. Are you vegan? Yeah, for how long? 15 years. Mm. Oh, you've only sustained yourself <laughs> on Oreo <laughs> on cookies. Um, that has been fat shaming on this podcast. Thank you. <laughs> oh, no. um, what What I will say is if there was a if there was a bracket, if there was an NCAA March Madness tournament of oh. cookies, oh. oatmeal cookies are going out in the first round. Oh. Those things are not making it out of the first round. Are you kidding me? Oh, they are not. I would cheer for them. <laughs> Oatmeal, oatmeal. You got it, buddy. You got it. Keep on trying. Thanks, Mom. (laughs) I'm Oreo. Gets punched in the face. (laughs) Get out of here. You ain't nothing. So, I mean, I just, I just, I just have no love for oatmeal cookies. You know what it was? Oatmeal cookies let the world know that that my family was poor. <laughs> oh well, there we go. That's why you don't oh, like them. That's what I don't like them. Dad's cookies. Uh, try growing up without a dad. All right, let's move on. Um, <laughs> oh my God. Let's move on to um, a really great haircut. A really great haircut. and a really poorly kept goatee. So um, often we see posts about hair students. Does that make sense? Hair students? Yeah, hair apprentices. Hair apprentices, people that want to be hairdressers that are offering free cuts, right? And so Alex uh, posts on Buns um, saying that if you ever see Darren Jansen post on here for needing a hair model, definitely take him up on it. Totally killed this cut. And he posts a photo of himself with a very fly haircut on Buns. Now, my favorite comment here. Uh, D goes, oh, fuck, Nickelback's in town? Because this man looks exactly like Chad, Chad Kruger. <laughs> Literally, exactly. And some people were like, oh, you're brutal. Like, oh, like where, where, sorry, this guy goes, what did this man do to you? Did he violently murder your entire family? Oh, what, like, a, what a jump. Man, like, I know. We're, we're, just saying, we're just saying this guy has like a really trash goatee. Yeah. <laughs> and then he looks like Chad Kruger. That, that, that's all that's happening. And the man... A does look like Chad, Chad Kruger, yeah, and he has a very gross goatee. I know it's not very well trimmed. Even Chad Kruger gets Avril Lavigne to trim his, his <laughs> beard 
at 906 every night. <laughs> all, all that I'm saying is, all that I'm saying is, this guy's a fly, fly hair model. He looks yeah, great. Literally. But. The goatee could the, use some work. Yeah, that goatee needs some serious work. Oh, just so funny. <laughs> all right, we're going back to this whole ring theme here, mm-hmm. okay? so One ring lo- to rule them all. One ring. To rule them. I really want to watch that series again. That's what it's on Netflix. All three of them. Oh. Well, I guess all four of them, really. But four. Yeah, because the, the last one, the twin tower, the two towers, is broken into two parts. Two parts, isn't it? Uh, oh, what are we talking about? No okay. one knows. Anyways, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so Julie uh, was robbed. Okay, so <sighs> she was robbed, and unfortunately, a bunch of her grandma's heirloom jewelry was stolen. So this obviously sucks. But I can identify with this, and I think I have a theory okay. here. So there's been a bunch, a couple, a couple people, a couple people have commented being like, "My house got broken into as well." And even on the other ring post we talked about earlier, someone had posted my how my shit got stolen from my house. Someone broke in. So this time last year, my house when I was in with my roommates, my house got broken into, and a lot. Uh, Julie's laptop got stolen My roommate's laptop got stolen And her grandma's heirloom rings got stolen So my thought is that there's a serial ring stealer That is roaming the city Looking for your laptops and your heirlooms An itch for the heirloom Okay This man gets it once a year Or woman you never know. Women can be burglars too. Yeah. Yes, of course. And just there are every single finger is covered with at least three grandma's rings. If it two people didn't die wearing it, they don't want it. Okay. <laughs> These have some age, some vintage yeah. on these rings. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I get what you're saying, but I also think that like we only hear about this because the heirlooms got stolen. I bet you. I bet you they probably stole the entire jewelry box. They also stole like your fifteen dollar rings from Ardennes as well. But we're not talking about those. We're talking about the, we're talking about these these nice yeah, these nice rings. Ones. Also, the ring that she she lost she lost her engagement ring. But her engagement ring, I think she'll get this one back. Mm-hmm. And the only reason I'm saying that is because like this is a funky ring. Yeah, it's a pretty big diamond, mm-hmm. and then also diamonds all along the band. Yeah, and they're and, green, and they're all green. Yeah, so that's like, if you that's see a pretty that distinct. It's a one of a kind. Ten, uh, you know, but I mean. Uh, I mean, I don't. She's she's not getting it back. I don't know why I said that. Yeah, she's not getting that back. <laughs> well, she might. Like I often, what happens is like months later in like pawn shops, people will find yeah. them. And um, and that's what people said as well. Contact your local pawn shop and everything else. And like your you local know, pawn shop. Your local. I even know where. Well, I even know where a pawn shop is around here. Even on like church. There's, like, yeah, a bunch church. Of them. There's a string of them. <laughs> I would walk by them to go to work, and I'm like, "Whoa!" I yeah. wanna, I've never been in one though. That, neither have I, and they're also so, they're so big. I know. How, how many people are pawning things off in those spots when you keep them up? You know what? I'm gonna say it. Those are all the front. They're all the front. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're, everyone's playing poker in the back, and dogs playing dog smoking cigarettes. You think? Yeah. I mean, there's no way. There's no way that not much pawning is going off in the city, <laughs> of, <laughs> city of Toronto. It's not in Vegas. Do you like go somewhere. into a pawn shop and say I like this, and you bar- barter a price or are things oh. like set? See, um, I'm gonna tell you, I also have never been in a pawn shop before. Damn. I think we should do a take this podcast to a pawn shop, <laughs> do a live and live uh, recording in the pawn shop. shop. Hey, how much is this? Seventy dollars. Okay, all right. Goodbye. Okay. <laughs> Not here. What about that green ring? <laughs> that looks suspicious. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A man comes in here every summer with vintage rings. <laughs> his one month, his yearly drop off. It sustains him for the rest of the year. 
Until he gets the itch. Uh, the heirloom yeah, itch. Ooh. It was for a series called The Heirloom Itch. <laughs> about a guy who goes around stealing stealing vintage jewelry from people. Oh. Uh, uh, so good. It's nailed it. Someone can use that idea, but credit us. We want to be executive producers. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't the podcast on this story, which, I mean, starts off pretty, pretty bleak. Um, uh, last week, though, over the weekend, there was a fire um, at a restaurant where the, the restaurant basically burned down. And the, the building on top of it, like the, uh, the apartment on top of it, was also uh, engulfed in the flames. Engulfed in the flames. flames. Yeah. Oh, my God. Ding, that was a special word of the podcast. Engulfed. 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 It's, it engulfed. It, no, I'm saying engulfed. That's my new word. Engulfed. Yeah, it's like, it's as, it's be like as shitty as it would be to live in Guelph. <laughs> Is to experience that fire. <laughs> oh is, this, is this water? Is this in Waterloo? No, no, no. This is in Guelph. Ooh, that's <laughs> disgusting. <laughs> um, so it was, uh, you know, taking down the flames, and it sucked because obviously people were living there. But the, uh, the the couple that was there and their dog, they all got out safely. But in any fire, you lose all of your stuff. So someone had uh, had posted on Buns a GoFundMe fundraiser, and their goal was initially of two thousand dollars on the on the GoFundMe page. Um, we are very happy to report that they needed to get some stuff, like, you know, um, clothes, blankets, yeah. bed, mattress, kitchen stuff, first and last month's rent. Uh, that $2,000, the goal was raised and raised and raised. They have now raised $15,000. Oh, yeah. my goodness. So, I mean, it, it is amazing that uh, people can come together, especially on Buns and outside of Buns in this community, mm-hmm. and to uh, get people what they need. Because obviously, it's what a tragic thing to happen. Every house burned down. Also, I should say this. Um, in our lives now, over the past couple of years, I now know multiple people who have had, like, things burned down like it's the really? 1800s i'm like what's happening like here it's the 1800s <laughs> like oh my house we're burned the dark down. ages what's happening with all these fires <laughs> uh it's crazy but i mean the good side to all of this is that you know they're gonna people, be okay they're gonna be all right they get on their feet and um although they hopefully just lost stuff they still yeah. have themselves in their minds and uh and everything else that uh, that goes along with uh you know trying to yeah. live your best life so let's hope that uh they get back into their feet and that they're gonna be awesome yeah well, Great. looks oh. like that's it, man. And that's it. It's uh, It's been a good week back. I know. Oh, missed you. Missed you too. Yeah. And get ready for a bunch more weeks that are just like, like this. this. You know, let's, uh, let's do this again sometime. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. How I about, mean, I'll let you know. How about next week? What? Oh, okay. Are you, are you free next week? I oh, mean, it was Tuesday, Monday. Actually, you know what? Yep, never mind. Yeah, we're <laughs> Actually, next week. fuck that. You know what? <laughs> See your asses in two weeks. Literally. All right, guys. Peace. Bye. Too much shit in your apartment? Get rid of it today on the Buns app. Available in the App Store, Google Play Store, or online at buns.com. Like I said at the top of the show, the interview this week is with Justin Lee. He is one of the hosts of the This Broken Mixtape podcast and creator of the Buns documentary. I'll let him speak for himself. Here he is. Hey, Buns. Uh, welcome to the interview part of the podcast. I'm here with Justin. Uh, you might know him because he created a Buns documentary in the like fledgling days of Buns almost at this point. Um, very interesting. And now he's got a, a new podcast to promote. How's it going, man? Hey, how's it going? Thanks for being uh, in, inviting me on the show. Yeah, of course. 
Yeah, thanks thanks for coming. Um, before we talk about, I mean, we're definitely going to talk about the uh, documentary because it's so buns related that I could not not mention it, you sure. know. Yeah. And then, of course, we'll talk about your podcast. But before that, tell me a little bit about you. Like, uh, are you a Torontonian originally, or did you grow up somewhere else? Originally from Calgary. Um, I moved here um, 16 years ago, so I considered myself a Torontonian for a long time now. Yeah, yeah. at this point, you're in the club, I think. Yeah, exactly. Uh, okay, so uh, what before documentary making and podcast making, because that's all I know about you, mm-hmm. Like, what were you doing? What did you do in Calgary, you know? Um, and what brought you to Toronto? Um, I mean, in Calgary, it was just a lot of being bored. I don't know if you've ever been to Calgary. No, and, I haven't. You know, not to shit on my hometown, but uh, there's not a whole lot to do there. Certainly, like 15, 16 years ago, there was definitely nothing to do. Now, it's like their food scene is coming up. The music scene's coming well, up. Well, there's like the Stampede, though, right? There's a Stampede, and that's what people know us from. And they expect it to be this giant, like, rodeo cow fest, like, the entire year. But it's really just for those 10 days. Right, right. So, yeah. Well, and the Flames. Exactly. Go to, I just go to hockey games. I yeah, guess. it's a big sports uh, city. Um, people love music there. They're hungry for music. A yeah. lot of new bands are coming out of Toronto. I mean, uh, Calgary. Calgary. Uh, but yeah, like basically, I moved here for journalism school. Um, so my background is in journalism, which is why documentary filmmaking was kind of, and podcasting was yeah. really just kind of a gradual transition. Well, you mentioned music. Did you... Were you in the music scene in Calgary at all? Uh, not so much. I mean, I ran a small zine, a hip-hop zine. Oh, nice. Um, called Soul 101, um, which was like really just like a small little thing that I was doing with a couple of friends. But yeah. um, I was never like a producer of music. Like I was, I was more of like a critic more than anything. Yeah, but you, I guess you took uh, notice, more notice than most, I guess, if you're running a zine. It's not yeah. just like... Uh, somebody who is a casual listener or whatever, like clearly it was an, it was an interest of yours. Absolutely. I mean, I've always told people that music has always been kind of the driving force in my life. Like everything I do is probably in some way, shape or form related to music. So when you uh, came to Toronto for journalism, was it with the hopes of being some sort of music journalist? I think initially that's what I thought. Like I think the 18, 19 year old me wanted to be like you know, like a much music VJ at first. Yeah, and then yeah. I quickly like kind of realized, eh, I don't think I want to do that because it's not really music journalism, right? Right. Um, and then, yeah, I wanted to write for, you know, like The Fader, um, uh, like Rolling Stone, all those kind of magazines. Right. And I did a little bit of music journalism. So were you obsessed with Almost Famous? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Like anybody who's in uh, music journals, uh, journalism or even in journalism, I think is obsessed with that movie. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, okay. Um, so then you decided, okay, maybe music journalism wasn't for you. What did you, what did you kind of come up with instead? Uh, so once I graduated from, um, university from the journalism program at Ryerson, I kind of started writing for this, um, tech magazine. It wasn't like by any means, you know, sort of my, um, like first choice, but it came along and it was a great job. Did that for a few years and then really just kind of continued down the route in tech journalism. So, um, yeah, I've done like, I don't like when, whenever people hear that, they're like, oh, did you like review cell phones and that kind of thing? But nothing like that. It was more like just sort of writing uh, features and articles about um, startups, um, more like IT stuff. So is that how you came up with 
buns or is like how you discovered it or well so i had at that point um so this is back in 2016 i believe that i first decided to do the buns documentary okay um well oh, but hold on before that even like how did you discover buns uh buns was just like through a lot of people um or like a lot of people through just friends i yeah. had a, i had a few friends that were on it and i was like oh this is a really incredible idea because that was pre-app right yeah that was pre-app this was like i think i discovered it in um early 2016 okay um so yeah i joined it um i haven't i'll be honest i haven't i haven't been very active on buns i've made a few trades yeah um nothing recently but yeah. i always enjoyed sort of the community aspect and that's what intrigued me um from a documentary perspective yeah no i totally understand that i yeah. mean i personally don't do a lot of trades i mean mm. uh i did live a month on buns mm-hmm. and then did a bunch of trades then but like i traded most of the, uh, away most of the things that i had to trade away mm-hmm you know, I haven't been stockpiling stuff since, so I'm I'm in the same boat. I I haven't done a lot of trades, but so was was it like a a trade experience, or I mean, what was it that motivated you to do the documentary? I think what it was was just reading the threads and like seeing all these like great um, people do these amazing good deeds for other people, right? right. That's what always interests me about the community. Um, so I, I became obsessed with it and like every day I'd probably spend like at least an hour reading like all these posts, mm-hmm. um, never with the intention of making any trades, but just reading people's stories. And then yeah. I was like, yeah, this would make a great documentary, um, approached Emily head buns, uh, mama buns and, um, yeah, the rest is history. Well, okay. That, I mean, that's interesting because I don't know the first thing about making a documentary. Mm-hmm. Did you have any experience or new did you know of anyone who had gone through this before to like guide you or how did you sort of navigate the so at that point and like a lot of things in my life i just kind of um did my research talked to people that were already doing it mm-hmm. um I had, I had done two films at that point both shorts um and the first one was uh, based on this um coffee table book i wrote uh back in 2011 called um our liner notes and uh, that one really was just sort of bridging the gap or showing the connection between music and couples and how it sort of acts as like this romantic catalyst bringing two people closer together. So that was my first documentary. The second one was also music related. And that one's called Sugar Brown, The Shade of Blues. And that's about an Asian-American blues singer from Toronto. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, he's originally from Ohio, but he lives in Toronto now. And then so... I had already like done those two uh, films, and based on that, learned a lot. Um, there's kind of a steep lear- learning curve. Yeah, I but imagine. for me, like I never did any of the uh, shooting or the editing. I kind of sat in on the editing sessions, but for right. me, it was just producing and direction. Okay. Yeah. So let's. Uh, I mean, let's walk through making a documentary a little mm-hmm. bit because I'm sure most people listening have never gone through the process, would never sure. know how to go through the process or even begin. So you have an idea. You're like, okay, here's this community. I'm sure there's a bunch of stories here that we can maybe tell and, and weave one in throughout the documentary. Mm-hmm. Okay, so now what? What do you do after that? I think it's like really just about doing your research. I mean, like I said, I would spend hours just reading the posts. Um, I try to find any like um, articles already written about buns, Um like watched any videos about buns um and then you know after sitting down with emily for like a half hour to an hour uh just kind of f- sort of pitching this to her and talking to my partner my production partner larissa um really kind of trying to sh- uh, f- 
like, I guess, carve out a story. Like, you know, it's one thing to make a documentary about buns, but what are you going to tell? Like, so there was kind of a twofold situation. The first one being that it's sort of this accidental startup. A lot of people still don't know it's a startup. Right. Um, they just assume that it's just kind of this like hobby thing. <clears throat> right. Yeah. Yeah. Which it started off as. But really, like, you know, with the, with the angel investor, we want to tell a story about how do you monetize uh, this business, and it is a business, at, yeah. you know, at, at the end of the day. Uh, how do you monetize this business where you're not supposed to exchange money? Right. So we wanted to tell that story. And then the second thing was really just highlighting these uh, stories and these members that are doing these really great works of good deeds. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any recollection of any stories that really struck you as... Uh, either inspiring or just like your favorite stories from from that period yeah I mean there's so many stories that we wanted to tell in in the documentary and we there was like I think once it came out people were like oh how come this wasn't told how come this wasn't captured and it, what it comes down to is that these are the people who approached us or we approached them um, there was a lot of people that I want to contact that we try to get in contact with who just like we couldn't find them for whatever reason. Right. Um, you know, there was that story about um, I think um, there was there was a woman who was getting married in Toronto, but originally from Alberta, and this is around the time of the fires. She like, was the first interview that I ever did for the really, show. Really? Yeah, and that was such a remarkable story. And I remember only finding out about this sort of later in the process. So we had already shot most of our footage. Yeah. And this came about, and I was like, I wish so much that we could add this. But, you know, we've already, like, the film is only uh, just short of 20 minutes. So right. there's only like a finite amount of stories we could tell. But at that point, it was already like later in the production cycle. Yeah. So a lot of it's like that. I mean, definitely it, what's in the film, um, Terry, her story about she has an autistic son who, um, whenever she brought him to um, a barber, he would freak out because this one time, like, um, I think uh, his ear got clipped when um, I think he moved suddenly and the barber accidentally clipped his ear. And then, of course, after that point, he was just, you know, he'd never want to go to a barbershop again. So she, she found this woman and this woman comes to her place and gives him a haircut. And, uh, you know, they've like sort of developed a, a great relationship. And, right. Yeah. So, th I mean, things like that, like that's that's kind of the stuff that we're looking for. Right. Yeah. And then, of course, um, there's Ken, who everyone knows is kind of like a poster boy for Ken Ferguson. Yeah. Uh, and he's like that guy, like not only being active on Buns, but just being a great person. Amazing. Yeah. And I'm always like, I'm always a little skeptical of people that, that are that nice. I'm yeah. like, you know, he's got to have a dark side. I've never seen it. I mean, yeah, you know, I'm sure I mean, it exists. But. He's always that way. Like, yeah. every time I see him, he he's this happy, bubbly guy. And I mean, mm. even, you know, way after the documentary, right. I'm sure you heard about the whole bathtub thing. Yes, yes. Right? That that made waves in a, in a lot of different areas. It's kind of... Uh, yeah, Ken's a, Ken's a crazy character. I need to have him on the show at some yeah. point. Yeah. Oh, I thought you uh, already had him on the show. You know, he would. he's definitely one of these guys and now he's looking commercials and stuff mm -hmm. but anyway okay so so you've, you've got this documentary about buns what's next for you after that you release so, it and then what yeah, was your next project we released it uh last spring yeah um just around this time actually and uh really like whenever i i put out a documentary the intention is for as many people to see it. It's not so much as like, oh, I want to like sort of shop this around. And that like, that comes along too. But um, we we were actually, for the first time, we were approached by certain outlets to uh, distribute the documentary. So the first person that approached us, the first company was Bell. And they have oh, a, wow. 
I can't remember what the channel is, but they have like sort of, um, I think it might be Toronto centric. So the whole purpose of this channel, and forgive me, I don't know the name of it. I can't remember the name, um, is just to show uh, Toronto sort of Toronto centric stories through documentary. So right. they were like, this is a great um, fit for us. Uh, we had a couple of meetings with them and in the end it didn't work out. The reason being, and it sounds kind of ridiculous, like, I mean, I, I was, sometimes I was like, is this just an excuse? And then I kind of looked into it and sure enough, it seems pretty legit. But they said that because it wasn't shot in 4K, um, we, we shot in HD. Right. They, like everything at this point, their standard is 4K, so. Yeah, that may, I mean. It's, it I was annoying, but. I you know. kind of understand that, but at the same time, like, come on. Yeah, exactly. You know? And like, there's 4K conversions, but it's not true 4K, so. Yeah, also yeah. just like how many fledgling documentary makers are, are running around Toronto shooting in 4K. Just take the good yeah. content where you can get it. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Uh, but, you know, it didn't work out. So yeah. right now, I mean, it's on Vimeo, it's on YouTube. I encourage people to watch it after this. Um, I mean, you could plug it at the end, but it's just our website, our, our podcast, thisbrokenmixtape.com. There's a documentary section at the top of the page, so you can find it there as well as our other documentaries. Okay, well, I mean, I guess now's a perfect time to talk about uh, your podcast because... Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I know you predominantly because of the documentary mm -hmm. and then you contacted me and you told me that uh, you were doing a podcast and of course, you know, me being me, I'm like, well, I love podcasts, so let's hear about it. So yeah. give me the uh, the elevator pitch on uh, on your podcast. Sure. I mean, it's uh, it really is like whenever I have conversations with people, musicians or non-musicians, yeah. like just music fans, really I'm not looking to um, – it's not so much like what they listen to, what bands and artists they listen to uh, is what interests me. It's more about sort of the effect, the impact it has on their lives. So that's really sort of the driving point of this podcast. We talk to a lot of musicians – um, both from Toronto and around the world, um, but also creative. So we've talked to writers, uh, chefs, people in fashion, DJs, uh, promoters, writers, just like any sort of creative um, background, and really talk to them about like how uh, music has impacted their life and sort of their like I guess biogra biographical um, journey with music. So from like the moment they first discovered music, usually it's played around the house, their parents' record collection, right? those early albums, and sort of the life events that they're connected to. So um, mixtapes, I mean, it's in the name, this broken mixtape. Mixtapes and playlists are um, you know, always co kind of like a, a focal point of the interview. We talk to people about memorable mixtapes or playlists that they've made for someone or someone's made for them, yeah. and sort of um, what it meant to them in their life. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. I, I mean, I can definitely get behind that because I'm a, I mean, I used to be, I shouldn't say used to be, I am a musician, mm -hmm. but I was a more active one in the past. Sure. And uh, I definitely love talking to musicians. I mean, we have another show on the network where we interview bands and read their tarot cards and stuff. Okay. And so I can definitely appreciate where you're coming from. But let me ask you a question mm -hmm. talking about mixtapes. Yeah. If you had to make a mixtape, give me like top three tracks. Um, so, I mean, when I'm, we use the word mixtape, uh, lightly because, you know, now it's like playlists, right? Right. Um, t 
top three tracks. I mean, that's like, it depends on, there's so many factors, like who the mixtape is for. Yeah. What, if you're going to go with the theme, usually yeah. like, usually I go with themes. Well, let's, so let's take it back. Let's just imagine Justin yeah. in high school. Okay. You know, and, and I mean, this is going to get really embarrassing. Yeah. Now, he, he, yeah. he, now met, I know how my <laughs> subjects, uh, my interview subjects feel. He's met this girl yeah. and he's just like, oh, fuck, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm really going to knock it out of the park with this yeah. mixtape, you know, as you did in high school. Uh, well, I'm sure like as we do oh, yeah, yeah. people don't really do that shit anymore but like i still i still do it to be honest i mean i've made like something like 10 playlists for my girlfriend and yeah yeah no i mean i, I appreciate that but like i remember actually like handing cassettes Absolutely. and or burnt cds like hard copy. you know yeah um but so you're making this tape mm-hmm. and you're like okay you know gotta gotta start off gotta you know pull them in in the beginning and then hit them with a hard one sure. track sure. two and then Track three, you kind of like set the tone. So what? Yeah. What's one, two, and three? Okay, for wow, you? geez, that's a lot of pressure. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm not right now. I'm not even thinking in terms of sequence, but I'm just ta- thinking about three songs I would put on there. Yeah, and I'm trying to be truthful because I can tell you from now, like my music knowledge in the last 15 years, especially sort of post high school, yeah, has really like expanded. Yeah, whereas high school. I probably listen to a lot of embarrassing stuff. I mean, and still kind of like some of those bands I'm still into. Oh, I'm the same um, way for sure. Yeah, but I mean, you know, like back then I was listening to, uh, of course, a lot of alternative rock. Yeah. Um, a lot of terrible like Canadian, I mean, not to shit on Canadian bands, but I mean, you know, I was listening to like a lot of the Moist and yeah, uh, yeah. Our Lady Pieces of, of, course. of the scene. One of my so, first concerts of all time was uh, Our Lady Peace and... Uh, Oh, what was that band called? Everclear. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, actually, I went to um, uh, the well. I mean, from in Calgary, they were, they did a Canadian tour. So yeah. I went to the show at um, McEwen Hall, which is like the uh, University of Calgary venue. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. Yeah, I mean, ever I, I used to really be into Everclear. Yeah, me too. Yeah, me too. Uh, okay, let me think. I'm I'm gonna think that the 17 year old me have definitely put on a Pumpkins track. Okay, yeah. Um, I don't know. Like a, a lot of people are kind of shitting on this Pumpkins reunion. I'm excited. Whatever. I wish Darcy I mean, was part of it. But Melancholy is a great album. Absolutely, but more than Melancholy. I mean, if you look at like, cause there's a lot of filler in Melancholy. Yeah. To me, like Siamese Dream is oh, as Siamese perfect Dream, of an yeah, album yeah. as you can get. So I would have probably put on. Um, and this is like I don't even know if it's like a lovey dovey track. I would look more just for in terms of mood. Mm-hmm. There's that song on Siamese Dream called Mayonnaise. Yeah, of course. Uh, one of my actually that is my favorite Pumpkin song. So I put that on there. Okay. I'd probably put on a um, probably like a female singer songwriter. Um, love Fiona Apple. So maybe Fiona Apple or um, actually, you know what? It'd probably be Liz Fair. She's kind of like my all-time favorite nice. female artist. So Who, a Liz I'm, Fair track. I'm trying to think of uh, from around that time. She. Oh, Lisa Loeb. Lisa Loeb, yeah. That, that was yeah. in my, as soon as you said female, for whatever reason, I was like, first I went to uh, Alanis Morissette, but that's like too obvious. You right, know? And then right. I was like, let's take it down a notch. Lisa yeah. Loeb. Anyway, okay. Yeah, Go ahead. So, uh, I mean, the Liz Fair track I'd probably put on is, and again, it's probably not appropriate for when you're trying to woo, woo like a, a girl. Yeah. But it's, there's a song um, called Fucking Run, which is like one of my favorites. Um, and then what else? I'd probably put on a. Uh, I want to say like a, a Wilco track. Whoa. Wil- Wilco's okay. like my favorite band of all time. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so... Favorite album? Favorite? You know, so um, my entry point into Wilco was being there. Okay. So I still love that sort of phase of Wilco, more yeah. like alt country. Yeah. But I love what they've become. There's like not a single record of theirs that I don't like at least kind of like. I don't like the new one. 
Um, then oh, the new Shmilko one, Star or is whatever. It, yeah, Schmilko. And then before that, like uh, Star, what's it called? Star Wars or yeah, yeah, yeah. Wasn't crazy about Star Wars to be honest. But um, yeah, Summer Teeth is my favorite actually. Really? Yeah. And then like wow. a close second would be um, Yankee Foxtrot Hotel. Yeah. Yeah. I mean that's usually everyone's favorite, but right. I mean I don't know Summer Teeth that leap from that all country to sort of using more electronic yeah. aspects. Like I I really love that album. So nice. Yeah, so probably a Wilco track. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Okay. And um, the music, like I guess you, the music or the musicians, excuse me, that you're speaking to on the podcast, it's kind of all over the map. Because yeah, it sounds I mean, like we, your musical taste is a little, yeah. like, uh, not genre-specific. Mm-hmm, absolutely, because that's, like, sort of um, representative. And I should have mentioned this story from the beginning, that um, I do this podcast with um, my friend Jeff Wu. Yeah. So he he's the co-producer, co-host. He um, sort of does all the sound mixing, and I do the sound editing. Yeah. Uh, so we're a good team. But he, our our sort of tastes are very similar, or at least we have a lot of overlap, and we kind of listen to everything from hip hop to soul to jazz to uh, folk to rock, anything really. And how how often does your podcast come out? Oh, it's a weekly. So we started, uh, we launched it last July. Yeah. And so now we just released the thirty second episode today. Good for you. Yeah. So it's I mean it's kind of um, a lot of work, but yeah. we really enjoy doing it. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, it's almost crazy. We impose these schedules on ourselves, and, and people listen, and they, I'm sure they enjoy it. I yeah. mean, I wouldn't do all these shows if I didn't, but, like, you know, you're, we're putting out this weekly free content, and it's, mm. like, it's insane how much time it actually takes to to get this all done, and especially when you have a partner and you've got to coordinate For schedules. Sure. How do you guys manage to do it every week? You know, I mean, we, we've been friends for years, but I used to see that guy maybe like, I want to say two times a month, if yeah. that. And now we see each other like minimum two times a week. Right. It's a good we excuse have to, to right? hang out though, right? Yeah. And yeah, it's, and it's fun. Um, so, so we try to, um, we try to do everything electronically just through email. Right. Um, but you know, like a lot of it, um, requires us to be there in person. So, uh, when we interview, um, a person, Usually that's um, that's going to take at least like an hour or two of our time. Yeah. And then, you know, there's the editing, there's all the artwork, there's the copywriting. There's a lot, as you know, there's like so much to do. So yeah. each episode will take us like a minimum of 10 hours combined efforts. It's crazy how much goes into every one of these things, but it's mm-hmm. so much fun to just be able to sit down with somebody and find out something interesting about them. Yeah, for sure. So yeah. how long are, you, are your episodes normally? So we originally were trying to get in that sweet spot of like, I think we fir- our first few episodes were somewhere between 40 minutes and 55. Mm-hmm. And we just felt like um, 55 minutes was a little too long. We, we were trying to get it in the 35 to 45 minute spot. And for the last like 10 episodes, I think it's that's been pretty consistent. Right. So yeah, I mean, I, th- I think because it's like sort of a... Um, just one long interview we yeah. have like an intro and outro um, we try to really like just um, edit it down to the uh, point where this is the sort of essential stuff this is the most interesting yeah because each interview we do is going to be at least 45 minutes to an hour and a half right so there's right. quite a lot of um, uh, content that gets cut out yeah i mean i used to be meticulous about that sort of thing but now that i got all these shows i'm just like you know what 
let's just put it out there yeah and people can sure. feel, feel and you're what just they one feel. guy i mean like it's a lot of work for just for even two of us so yeah i can't imagine doing it all my by myself but i mean to your, to your point of, of doing it with a buddy i have another show uh on the network called you gotta love it that there's a reason i got into podcasting and really what it was is uh you know i told you i used to be more active musician mm-hmm. um once a, a bunch of my band members got married and had kids and stuff we kind of settled down a little bit i had all this equipment and all this free time and i was like what am i gonna do and so i uh met with a friend of mine and i was like okay let's start this podcast about movies and music and video games and all the stuff that we love Mm -hmm. and we're gonna force ourselves to um you know take in some of this media and talk about it and so now it's like forced relaxation right because i every week i got to hang out with not have to but every week i hang out with my buddy we will watch movies we'll play video games we'll do whatever for the show and Mm -hmm. it's just like something that you have to do so especially now that i have all these other shows it forces me to to kind of unwind but do you have any other projects on the go like or does this take up all the time yeah i mean you know this this is all stuff that i do outside of my day job um but really like i I've taken like a slight hiatus from documentary filmmaking. Yeah. Um, I want to return to it at some point. You're waiting for that inspiration or what? Yeah. I'm trying to find like a great story. Right. Yeah. I, I'm never like, I, I, I don't ever feel the need to like force myself to tell a story. Mm-hmm. So, but podcasting takes so much of our time that, um, I haven't really done that much outside of that in the last yeah. eight months. Um, I mean, I am working on like, a just a, a personal, like a memoir, um, but that's like, that's kind of in my own time. Yeah. So yeah, I mean the, the, the podcasting thing is like kind of the main thing right now. Do you ever think about mixing the two and like doing some sort of documentary podcasting? I mean, I don't know how that would go, but like, do you mean like a, like a video podcast or no, I, I mean like audio wise. So, mm-hmm. cause like, I mean, there's all these great podcasts. I'm mind you, most of the ones I can think of are true crime that tell a story, sure. pure audio. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's a way to recount uh, some kind of story, documentary-wise, in We're trying to, like, we just um, signed up for a YouTube account last month and, all like, you- sort of archived all our videos um, or all our interviews. Just, we have, like, oh, a Do you record of, them all? We record them all, and then we try to have, not not video record, no. but um, just the audio, and we have sort of this, like, these uh, motion graphics, very simple. Mm-hmm. Um, but our intent was really to um, try to put in, like, start to introduce some new, like, sort of video components. So... We might not necessarily videotape the entire interview, but yeah. just kind of sections of it, just highlights, yeah. and post those. Just because I think it's great to actually have sort of a visual accompaniment. That's amazing. I yeah. wish, I, honestly, I wish I had more time and energy and all that stuff to to be able to create more of that content because I think it's I think it's great. I think it's to be able to have that and because you know there, I'm sure there's some listeners that listen to every single episode, but they want more, mm-hmm. and so to be able to give them that is. Uh, it's pretty fantastic. I actually have a question for you. Yeah. So you started this podcast like uh, almost a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, how? So this is something I've talked to with a few other podcasters. But how did you sort of grow your audience? Was this just kind of like word of mouth, or how did you get it out there? And yeah, honestly, it's been all word of mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been lucky that some. I mean, it's not even that often, but some of the shows get promoted by Buns proper. Sure. So whenever there's uh, guests that people at the office are excited about, mm-hmm. you know, they'll throw it up there on the Twitter or, or uh, um, whatever. But we have to be selective about that, especially sure. because we have a bunch of shows. It's not like you can just go bang, 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 bang. Mm-hmm. But regardless of that, I think that if you have somebody on the show that people are excited about or 
I, I mean, it's not even that. I think you just get guests that you are interested in, you know, hearing their stories and speaking to them like you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm sure there are some people who that you know that are probably interested in hearing your story that haven't haven't heard it before or, or haven't heard it in this way before. And they're going to listen and maybe they'll be interested. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe let's just say a couple hundred people, uh, you know, that that liked your documentary. Listen to this. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe maybe. 20 of them, 30 of them will subscribe. Let's just say, I don't yeah. know what the numbers, what the conversion rate is, but let's just say that's what it is. Okay, sure. fine. You just roll around, roll along and episode after episode, you know, you just hope it, it picks up steam. And I think that the one thing that you can do more than anything else is just, and which I've been pretty poor at recently because, uh, health issues and stuff, but is, um, be consistent. Mm-hmm. Just keep putting the episodes out there. You know, and if it becomes too much or something comes up, just let listeners know, okay, we're going to go from one week to two weeks or whatever, but they know what to expect. And people will just, if they enjoy it, they'll keep going. Because like, I know for me personally, I used to listen to music incessantly, mm-hmm. incessantly. And now I would say I listen to m- more podcast hours than I do music hours. Okay. Yeah. So you, people find a show they like, you know, they'll, they'll eat it up. But it, I mean, who knows? I don't really do this. I mean, I want people to listen, but I just assume that people will find it if they want to. If they want to find it, yeah, yeah, you know. But who knows? Mm-hmm. It's hard, though. I mean, what do you guys do to promote yourselves? We've really just been using social media, um, and like neither of us are very good at that. I mean, neither. we're from you know we're from the generation like way before social media. So well, we didn't grow up with it. Yeah, yeah. So like, never mind Snapchat. We're not even on Snapchat. Oh, me I mean, either. But like, you know, even dealing with Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, it's a lot. And it's like, I know that there's tools. I know that there's uh, Hootsuite and things like that. Yeah. But I, I just, I don't think I enjoy doing, like promoting it, even if it's for my own work. I'm yeah. just like, uh, I wish I didn't have to. It's like sort of this necessary thing. But Right. I totally yeah. agree. I'm I'm so horrible. It's, if there's anyone listening right now who wants to help me with my social media presence, just let me know. I have the tools. I have Hootsuite linked to all the right. accounts and all this stuff. But like, yeah, I'm that just, goes double for me too. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just not good at it, you know. And some people are so good at yeah. it, and they know like, okay, you know, prime time is like noon, and uh, on Tuesdays, like this is the messaging you want on Tuesdays right, and stuff right. like that. I'm just like, I and you know all the right hashtags. Like we yeah. use hashtags, but like beyond the most like sort of obvious ones, like our own name, this broken mixtape, and. Like something like, um, you know, if we're dealing with a folk artist and right. folk music, I don't know. I don't I don't like using the woman crush Wednesdays and flashback Fridays and that kind of stuff. Like, yeah, it's I mean, I, I'm not going to judge anyone that uses those. Like yeah. a lot of my friends use those hashtags, but I, I can't be bothered. using those. Yeah, no, yeah. I just. Yeah, I all of my energy right now outside of, of work mm-hmm. is put into getting the shows up on time right and like making sure that we have episodes and interviews and all this stuff and i just like don't have room in my brain because i I don't even really have time to just do nothing right you know like i said well i mean it's my own fault self-imposed but like my do nothing time i record podcasts with my buddy where we play video games and stuff so like i turned it all into work yeah silly but but yeah so i don't have time for that yeah absolutely but i think that you know you make enough um episodes and people will will kind of find it you just gotta every once in a while put feelers out there and be like hey whatever and i think especially with what you guys are doing it's probably easy because you you get musicians on there and they 
hopefully have some kind of following so that yeah for sure i mean but it's never the way you think it's going to go like um no you know, for instance we've um we've interviewed um you know musicians that have like a minimum of 10,000 followers you know 10 anywhere from 10,000 to 100,000 yeah and you like oh okay this uh this this is like a sure thing those episodes sometimes don't perform that well i mean even when we have them post or repost that the episode is up i mean it's weird. It's not, a lot of it's like sort of very, uh, you know, like let's say like an artist from Toronto who has a pretty big following, yeah, or even a modest sized following, and just kind of does their share of promoting it. That means like an infinitely amount more than somebody just reposting it on Twitter. Right. So. No, definitely. I mean, because uh, on I don't even know which shows it. I have, I unfortunately record too many shows, but we've had Pup on from mm-hmm. Toronto and Cadence Weapon on. Yep. Yeah. And and like. I don't know how how well or not well those specific shows do, but like, you know, in your heart of hearts as a podcaster, you're just like, oh man, I hope that like everyone who loves these artists is just going to flock to this episode. Right, right. And it, it just does, but I think it's only because the podcasting medium, while more people know about it, it's not, it's still not like totally ubiquitous, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. A lot of people still listen to radio in their car. Yeah. And so in my mind, I think it's the long game. Right now, uh, radio is, is slowly dying and podcasting is slowly rising. I mm-hmm. mean, just not that long ago, Apple uh, added additional tools for podcasters mm-hmm. and stuff. So clearly it's becoming a priority. And I think the money that is currently being invested in terrestrial radio will soon sort of leak out of there and will have to be invested somewhere else. And it only makes sense podcasting becomes a thing. And I mean, especially with Barack Obama having been on uh, WTF mm-hmm. as an example, you know, like it is getting more notoriety. So as long as we stick with it, we'll be one of those, you know, people who, uh, you know, second wave pioneers or something. Yeah, for sure. But uh, so tell people where they can find your show. Yeah. So it's uh, we're um, I mean, the easiest way is just going to this broken mixtape dot com. Um, you'll also find the documentaries there. Um and just we're on Apple, Google Play, Stitcher, YouTube, um, you know, and hopefully adding some other places in the future. But yeah, Google, I mean, the, the website's probably the easiest way to find us. Yeah, definitely. And uh, subscribe through your uh, favorite podcasting apps. Uh, if you had to give people a primer and you're like, okay, these are the episodes you need to listen mm-hmm. to. Which are like the top two, three? I know it's like trying to choose between your children or whatever. But Yeah, like, no. Um Okay, so we didn't do, uh, Jeff and I didn't record an episode of just the two of us until I think it was like the 20th or 21st episode. Yeah. That would be kind of a good like entry point. Um, maybe I'm not going to, like it's probably not the most interesting one because I don't consider neither of either of us uh, interesting, but um, <laughs> it l- at least gives you an idea of why we started the podcast. Yeah. Because that's not something we really talk about in previous episodes. Right, right, right. So that one maybe, um, I would say, one of the more entertaining ones is actually going to be added next Thursday because we um, update every Thursday morning. Right. And that's with this uh, singer-songwriter DJ named Maya Kiltron, who's from Toronto. Nice. And it was like, sh- that girl's really hilarious. So that one's very entertaining. Um, but as for the ones that are up right now, we 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 did some um, interviews earlier this year with uh, Tanika Charles. Um, that's a good one. Uh, Wafia, who's like this New Zealand or sorry Australian electropop artist. Um, this week's uh, today's that was added DJ Dopey 
those are all good sort of starting points. Nice. Yeah. All right, guys. Check it out. Thisbrokenmixtape.com. And I know if for no other reason than to watch that fucking Buttons documentary, maybe you're in it. I don't know. It's true. You know, you could be in it. You don't even know. So check it out. Listen to the podcast and just support podcasts in general. We need your help. You know, we all need your help. All right, man. Well, thanks for sitting down and chatting with me. Thanks so much. Is there anything else you want to just get out there before we uh, hit stop on this bad boy? Um, support local music, you know, and I don't even call it local music because there used to be a time where Toronto music scene, you know, was the Our Lady Pieces. I I don't want to shit on Our Lady Pieces constantly, but, you know, like now it's like on an international level. So support Canadian music in general, but yeah, go to to the OVO store, buy some shit. (laughs) I'm just kidding. All right. Thanks, man. Thanks for chatting. Thank you.